Today's headliner is none other than Dr. Ruben Echmendia. Ruben is the clinical director of Concussion Care Clinic at the University Orthopedic Center in State College, Pennsylvania, which is a multidisciplinary concussion evaluation and management program. Ruben has extensive clinical research experience with sport-related concussions, spoken internationally on issues related to traumatic brain injury in sports. Currently in independent practice, having spent 18 years in the clinical psychology faculty at Penn State, where he was director of the psychology clinic. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Um, let's kick it off with a question we all want to know. What's your favorite drink? My favorite drink? Oh, it depends on the time of day. But I would say that overall, it's wine. And of the wines, mostly Cote d'Aron. Cote d'Aron. All right. Have you always been a wine person, or have you moved through the adult beverages, different adult beverages across your life? I don't think those are mutually exclusive. <laughs> I've, always been, I've always been a, a wine person, and that started when I first started working in the restaurant business when I was 15, okay. and started learning about wines. And then as I got older, I got introduced to more and different wines, and then single malt scotches, bourbons, I, I like them all. Made the rounds. I made the rounds. All right. I love it. So let's back it up a little bit. Um, tell us about your family. Where did they come from and uh, what's the heritage? So I was born in Cuba. I was born in Santiago, Cuba. Uh, my parents are from Santiago. Our lineage is Basque. So we go back to the Basque country in Spain. And we moved to Miami when I was four to avoid Castro and the communism takeover or the communist takeover that was happening in Cuba. And uh, my dad was a dentist and my mother was a microbiologist. All right. Was she uh, in industry or in academic? She was in, in clinical. She, was, okay. she worked in a hospital. Ah, she was okay. in the bacteriology section of a hospital. Okay. Did, uh, so you're, you're in healthcare as well right. in a roundabout sort of way. Did you feel like your parents directly influenced that choice or was something else going on there? No, you know, it's interesting because I was supposed to be a dentist um, because of my dad's background. And it was always the family talk that I would take over dad's practice and that I was going to go into dentistry. And I worked with him for about a year when I realized that dentistry was not quite what I had in mind. And... I took a couple of courses in psychology, which always fascinated me. And I said, you know what, this is, this is kind of what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then that, that morphed in a variety of different ways into what I'm doing now. All right. And uh, so you moved when you were four. Probably don't remember Cuba, I'm guessing. I, I think I remember <laughs> some things. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to tell how much is, is a screen memory, mm. where it's what, what somebody else told me or the pictures that they're painting. Right. Um, but I do remember, I think I remember some aspects of it. Okay. Have you been back since the U.S. opened up, somewhat opened up, ability no, to travel? The, yeah, no, because it then closed back down. So okay. currently mm -hmm. we're kind of in a closed down situation. And most people don't know that actually if you're a Cuban-born American citizen, it creates special trouble for you going back to Cuba. Hmm. Because Cuba doesn't recognize your American citizenship, only your Cuban citizenship. So technically, if they wanted to, they could keep you in the country and conscript you into their army, 
and, and do all sorts of things. So you have to, I don't think they do that very often, but, <laughs> sure. but nonetheless, it's a risk that, that you, have, you have to take. And I was going to go with my family on a cruise down to Cuba where we can stop in different places, and at least you're in international territory when you're on a cruise, right. uh, thinking that that might protect us at, at some level. All right. All right. Well, I hope, hope that happens for you. Yeah. Um, so grew up in Miami, brothers, sisters? One brother. Okay. One sister. Okay. Brother is Cuban-born. Sister is American-born. She's a, the gringo of the family. And then uh, <laughs> we were in Miami for several years, and then we moved up to New York. To the city or another part of the city? To Queens, okay. New York, which is technically part of the city. Sure. Okay. But now what people think of as the city. Yeah, true. Okay. Um, what do your brothers, brother and sister do? My sister's a dental hygienist. <laughs> and she took, she took up the mantle. Sure. Right? And my brother is in insurance. He's uh, a vice president in, in claims of okay. insurance. All right. Still talk with him on a regular basis? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, any, any pets or anything growing up? Uh, we, we, we did. We had um, a Labrador retriever, a chocolate lab that died two years ago after living to 15 oh, years wow. for a lab. That's, that's a long time span. And that, that's a pet that we ostensibly got for the kids. Um, <laughs> and you know how that goes. Right. You, know, you think you're getting it for the kids and yeah. you end up taking care of it yourself. <laughs> and he, he was just a, he was a great, great dog. Prior to that, um, my mother once in a while had a dog, but she wasn't very good at training dogs, so it didn't work out. <laughs> Gotcha. Real well. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so you talked about being in the restaurant business. I'm assuming you started off as maybe a busser and moved to waiting tables and then... I actually maybe... started in the kitchen. Oh, all right. Started washing dishes and prepping okay. on, on Long Island in New York. And then worked my way up to being in charge of the kitchen and doing the... Um, not really doing any kind of table service or anything front of the house other than coordinating and managing components. Sure. Okay. And was that in the kitchen, um, washing dishes, was that the first job you held or did you do other things kind of up to that point? <laughs> no, I had, you know, lawn mowing jobs that I had prior to that. I remember working in, uh, in Orbea bicycle store in Flushing, Queens before we moved out to to Long Island. Uh, I think that those are the paperboy, lawn, and the bicycle shop. Okay. What type of restaurant was it when you got to that point? It was what in those days was called Continental. So it was a, a mixture of various European and American influences. Okay. All right. And you were showing me pictures earlier today of your baking skills. <laughs> you you uh, recently celebrated your 67th birthday and yeah. made your own cake. It was beautiful. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm assuming you picked up some skills when you were in the kitchen. I did. I, I, I truly enjoy cooking. And for a long time, I, the, the person who owned the restaurant that I was working in with um, tried to pay me not to go to grad school. Oh. Okay. So yeah. um, it was going to go one way or the other. But it's a tough business. Yes, it is. No doubt. No doubt. So um, spent some time in Miami, spent some time in New York. Is there a, a favorite childhood memory at one or both of those locations? Boy, favorite childhood memory. 
I think it's probably just going to Miami Beach, going to the beach and, and, and being in the water and just enjoying the water. Because um, to this day, yeah, I love going to the beach and being near the water, okay. even though I live in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> how, uh, how often do you get back to Miami? To Miami, probably once a year. I still have family yeah. down there. Okay. Um, so you graduate high school. You went to Bowling Green for undergrad? No. Oh, no. sorry. I went to Hofstra ah, okay. as an undergrad. Okay. Went to Bowling Green for grad. Grad school, okay. And then Upstate Medical Center after that. And then I got recruited to Penn State. All right. And so it sounds like when you were at Hofstra, you took these psychology classes and that sort of yeah. started dictating your career. Did you have a, a faculty member or a mentor kind of as an undergrad that you're like, oh, this person, like when I looked at this person, they were the one that steered me down this road? Well, it was really interesting because I had this faculty member that I really enjoyed having in the, in the class. And then she approached me about whether I wanted to get more involved in research. And I said, sure. And then I started doing behavioral research with her in her animal lab. Mm-hmm. And that got me interested in the whole area. Okay. So what, I guess what made you pick Hofstra, and then how did you end up at Bowling Green? Well, Hofstra, because it was close to home. So we, I, I lived an hour away. My, my mother was very traditionally Cuban and was not keen on me going to college anywhere away from home. Um, so that's how I ended up at Hofstra. And I really enjoyed the education there. I had a terrific education. It also allowed me to keep working at the restaurant um, and to help pay for my education, okay. actually. Then how did I got to Bowling Green was I, I applied to uh, various places in clinical psychology all over uh, the U.S., and I was very lucky in the places that I chose and the place that offered me a position. But Bowling Green just stole my heart in terms of once I got there, despite you know, boy from New York walking into the middle of a cornfield because there's nothing else around Bowling Green, um, just the warmth of the faculty and the intensity of the program. So it was... You got amazing training in the context of a very supportive atmosphere as opposed to an intensive, uh, controlling, mm. and uh, competitive environment. Right. It was competitive in the right way and not in the wrong way. Sure, sure. So as you, as you look back at school, maybe like starting with thinking about high school and then um, undergrad and grad school, were you good at it? Were you, were you a good student? Yes and no. I was good in the areas that were of interest to me. Mm. And in the areas that weren't of interest to me, I was less applied and less focused until I finally came to the realization that, hey, you got to get more focused in those areas. And then I became good at it. Gotcha. So it sounds more about um, interest. Yeah. Once you became interested in the topic. Right. Right. Fair enough. so our conversation earlier today, it uh, sounds like you met your wife at Bowling Green. Right. And she was in um, industrial psychology, is that right? She's an industrial organizational psychologist. Okay. Right. Um, do you remember the first date? I do. It, 
It was actually the first day of orientation that we met. And we had something in common because our families lived 30 minutes from each other on Long Island. Okay. So I joked with her and she with me that since I was her ride back to Long Island because I had the car, <laughs> then um, we started dating. But we probably started dating shortly thereafter. Yeah. Do you, do you remember where the actual first date was? No. Not okay. the actual first I remember meeting. Yeah. I don't remember the actual first date. Okay. All right. Um, and kids now. I can make one up. <laughs> <laughs> this is being recorded. She may hear it. And she may remind you yeah. of the first date. So. I bet you she doesn't remember it either. I'll okay. have to ask her. Okay. Um, kids that are out, on, out and about in the world, what are they up to? Uh, two kids that are out and about in the world. Uh, my daughter's an attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently uh, working in, a, in the financial sector. We'll just leave it at that. And my son works in the corporate offices of Dick's uh, Sporting Goods organizations mm-hmm. doing their data analytics okay. and um, basically helping determine how the stores are stocked, what they're stocked with, selecting merchandise. He's not a buyer, but... Kind of guides that process. Yeah, he guides that process. Yeah, yeah cool. All right. That's in Pittsburgh, right? That's in Pittsburgh. Okay. And my daughter's in Jersey, in, New okay. Jer- in Jersey City. Okay. Um, so you mentioned some cooking and some baking as, as a passion. Um, other hobbies or activities that you participate in? Um, one of the things that most people don't, don't know about me is that I'm also a licensed pilot. So cool. I, I used to fly airplanes a fair amount, but... Time has just time doesn't exist to be able to, to do it as much as I did. So um, I co-owned a plane and we, we flew that. And that was a blast. Really enjoyed yeah. doing that and hope to get back to that at some point. Okay. Other than that, other than than that, it's wine collecting, skiing, and being in the water. Being in the water. All right. What, what do you think, you know, you just mentioned being a pilot, and most people don't know that about you, including myself until now. Um, what do you think is something people misunderstand about you? Um, well, basically that I'm shy at heart, and, and most people don't, don't understand that or don't know that. Um, other than that... Um, There's, I can come on strong, and sometimes people misunderstand that. Um, the difference between putting forth uh, an opinion in, and, and back it up mm-hmm. forcefully, as opposed to just being dogmatic, which I don't think I am. Okay. How, how do you think you've, um, or maybe not how, but when do you think you have kind of grown the most in your, in your life or in your career? Um, and what caused that growth? I think that grad school, and more importantly, when I got to Upstate Medical Center, um, that was really a galvanizing experience for me because it was it was challenging and amazing and great at the same time, challenging me to do things that I otherwise wouldn't do or have the opportunity to do. 
in an environment that encouraged that. It was very much a multidisciplinary medical setting. So as a psychologist, was able to do a lot and learn a lot about medicine, just medicine in general, and had great mentors in that regard who were very willing to, to train and entertain and um, allow you to be part of things without overstepping your scope of practice sure. and things like that. But it was really very much of an experience. And then the second staging point in my life would say when I started working with the NHL because that brought in a whole different world mm -hmm. that I never anticipated being part of right. in terms of the, the various things that come into play in professional sports. So had you been a hockey player or a hockey fan up to that point? I played hockey on a fun basis. You know, sure. We played pond, uh, pond hockey and, and recreational hockey, but no, none okay. beyond that. Okay. Um, I've, I always liked it. But, yeah, not, that wasn't what, it was all happenstance yeah. that got me into yeah. the NHL. So you went from upstate New York to state college. When did, when did you go to Penn State? What time, what year was that? 84. I started in okay. 84. And then had you been involved with um, sport concussion? I mean, that's way before the modern, what I would term the modern era of sport concussion. But had you been involved with that point or did you kind of fall into the concussion space when you got there? I definitely fell into the concussion space. There wasn't, as you know, there wasn't much going on. Right. I mean, we knew it as mild traumatic brain injury, and we knew it clinically from that perspective, but it really wasn't being applied at all in sports. It, it, that even predated Jeff Barth's work at, at UVA, mm -hmm. um, I think. So we really didn't know much about it. So how, what, what, how did that happen at Penn State? Like. So I was working as the clinic director, you mentioned that, yep. and Margot Patukian, who's a friend and colleague, uh, mm -hmm. is a primary care physician, was working as a team physician. Mm -hmm. She was always interested in soccer. I was interested in hockey, because at the time, I was working with the Penn State hockey team as their psychologist, their sports ah, psychologist. I see. And then she would refer patients to me once in a while of athletes who had a concussion and weren't recovering the way that one expected them to recover and was still having difficulties. So she'd refer them to me for an evaluation. And then we, we just got to talking and said, you know what, we should run a study. And we applied for funding to actually start the genesis of, you know, sports programming. And then that blew up right. at Penn State where it went from, we had, Two teams at Penn State, two teams in Princeton, because we had a relationship with Princeton. And then it grew to 25 teams in State Ooh. College in, yeah. Penn, in Penn State, like okay. over two years. Oh, wow. That's yeah. pretty fast. It was very fast. So what do you, um, this doesn't need to be a long answer, but if you, if you get into concussion in, sounds like, late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, at that point, it was like absolute wild, wild west of identification and management. I mean, I started in it in the late 90s, and we were still putting people, loss of consciousness going back same day, mm -hmm. right? Somebody gets, quote, unquote, their bell rung, and, and we would chuckle and just be like, push them back into the huddle, and here we go. Mm -hmm. um, now the protocols, you know, we see average time out is two weeks, um, very normal for somebody to be out for a month. 
can you, um, maybe this is a bit of a loaded question, but like summarize that arc from early 90s to today and the progress that you have seen? I mean, you're one of the few people that have been in the business long enough to like really have seen it all. Yeah, I think things, so just to tie things together just a little bit. So we ended up taking the protocol that we had been using at Penn State. Then I was asked by the NHL to incorporate that protocol into mm-hmm. the NHL. And this predated computerized testing. It was all paper and pencil. Right. And the league commissioner at that time, still the same, Gary Bettman, mandated baseline testing of all players in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So that was unheard of at the time. And that was part of that early recognition that sports and sports concussion, A, that it was an important injury that we needed to pay attention to that we were largely ignoring at that point in time. We didn't know how to assess, but began to learn that it could serve as, and Jeff Barth used this, this line, which I think is very appropriate, and that is sports as a laboratory. As a laboratory and a window into the injury and the natural course of recovery mm-hmm. from that injury. So that arc started to develop because it was not just our program, that other programs were moving along the same route. And then that kept going and going and we kept getter, better. We started to understand the injury better. Data were coming out from like Chris Giza in, and Dave Havda mm-hmm. in... UCLA and looking at the pathophysiology and I remember one time and it gave me goosebumps that I was presenting our data from Penn State and showing the curves that happen with the paper and pencil data and Chris was the next presentation and his curves were identical showing the cascade. So it was just really cool at that point. And then I think the next major driving force was CTE Mm. and the media attention surrounding CTE that kind of, you know, brought everything even more to a head, both in the sense of what we didn't know, but also, more importantly, what was misunderstood. Right. Right. And there's a long way to go. Oh. We won't be out of a job anytime soon. No, for sure. (laughs) So across that, let's say, 30 years, what do you think is your proudest accomplishment? I don't know that there's one. I don't think I can point to one. I think, you know, some would say, you know, the publication of my first book, um, which was actually the first book to ever use the term sports neuropsychology Hmm. um, in the title. But I, I think it's a, it's a culmination of things. I don't know that sitting here today I can identify the one thing that I'm most proud of. If you ask me what I'm most proud of, it's my family. But that's independent of sure. what sure. happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So um, we talked a little bit about this kind of faculty member that kind of helped steer your career a little bit. Is that the person you look up to the most, or is, that, or is there somebody else that maybe you put at that level? No, I think... The people I look up to the most are, in part, my current colleagues. Mm -hmm. And actually, they're all current. 
colleagues, people like Jeff Barth, someone that, that I look up to in terms of his vision and his approach. Um, someone like George Prigatano, who kind of developed the whole notion of the real clinical aspects of MTBI rehabilitation and what are the components that are associated with that. Um, and then the guys, you know, Kevin, you know, you, Mike, I mean, we're all just a, a group. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that we influence each other. And more importantly, we've learned from each other because we all started from a point where we really didn't know a whole heck of a lot. Right, right. I'm still trying to catch up, so. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm still working on it, so. How, how big is your inner circle? Inner you, circle of colleagues? Colleagues, friends, and you don't need to name names, but are you a, I have one close friend and they know everything about me, or I, ha, I have 50 close friends and? I probably have a dozen or so. Yeah. Close friends that I really enjoy spending time with. I enjoy learning about them, their life, and what's going on with them. I respect them, and I think that the reverse may be true. Very cool. I, I like to go ahead and have fun. Sure. All right. I'm sure we'll do that this afternoon, this evening, <laughs> after hours. So, um, I want to be mindful of time, so we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here. I, and I have a couple of just quick hits, short answers for you. When you brush your teeth, do you wet the toothbrush before or after you put the toothpaste on? Before. Favorite word. Favorite word. Jeez. Um, happy. Least favorite word? Arrogance. Okay, finish the sentence. It all comes down to? Love. All right. How do you define mastery? Knowing what you don't know. Oh, I like that one. All right. Ruben, this has been great. Is there a place we can direct people to find out more about you or your work? Website, Twitter? Um, I try to stay away from social media. I'm still old world <laughs> in, in that regard. So... Just write to me. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you'll be getting some emails. Yeah. So thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today.